Hey, welcome back to all of our fans. I think we have fans, but certainly all of our listeners and viewers. Welcome to the 34th episode of the We All Serve podcast. Back with the one, the only Angel Torres. And I know that because he has a shadow box behind him with all of his cool awards. Yeah, yeah. Yay. Thank you, <laughs> Tina. <laughs> I always say that's who I was and who I am today. <laughs> that's what I Oh, do come on. Life. It's, you know, we say we all serve. It's you, yeah. you've continued, which is fun. So um, how are you? And I'm almost scared to ask you that question. I'm good. I'm good. You know, just uh, muscling through some some minor health issues, but you know, I'm good. I'm great spirits. I get to come back on. It was funny. We were having this dialogue earlier in the weekend. We we're just texting back and forth. And I said, hey, man, all three of our viewers. And you're like, no, man, guess again. And I couldn't believe the numbers. I was like, whoa, I have not offended that many people. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. It's uh, it's it, it's pretty wild. I mean, um, we all serve is really uh, is really, uh, you know, take taking hold, which is cool. Um, so as I always say in the beginning and the end of every episode, if you're uh, listening to the podcast, you're missing out on the fun of, uh, of seeing us in action. So make sure you uh, get on YouTube and click subscribe. And if you are just watching live um you know you probably want to play the uh the reruns of this too so exactly. make sure you're getting exactly. on uh, your favorite There's podcast no it's like watching uh, <laughs> the avengers or something you might miss some cool stuff <laughs> you might you might when you listen uh, again you'll uh, you'll catch all the nuances and the brilliance that went into it um but we're on all the your favorite podcast apps apple google all that good stuff so make sure you are clicking on but today angel i know you and i were talking about this over the weekend today is a very special episode because we get to long, uh, overdue. long overdue we get to bring in our uh, it's the first of uh, one of our uh, one of our uh, brothers and sisters um, in another branch. And this is very long overdue, 34 episodes in, um, but uh, but we're bringing him in, um, which is exciting. So before he has the opportunity to react and our viewers get to see him, so tell me your experience in, in working with Coasties. Well, when I came in uh, back in like forever ago, 1990, 91, um, the Coast Guard used to send their their um, uh, sailors to uh, sonar school because when I came in, I was a sonar technician. So we all learned how to use sonar because the Coast Guard on some of their ships they use sonar as well. And they were just the greatest guys, man. We had so much fun, and they had very, very dark, very jaded sense of humor, and I loved it. And then fast forward, it was like 15, uh, 13, 14 years in, and we were going through a boarding a boarding school, learning how to not like boarding school, like you send your kids away, we don't want them, but <laughs> a boarding school, like learning how to board ships and how to inspect for maritime interdiction, for drugs, for check if they're smuggling, for uh, weapons of mass destruction. And the Coast Guards came and they said, "Okay, here's how it goes down." So, and that's like their trade craft. That's their you know bread and butter. That brick and icebergs and and uh, uh, tendon buoys, but. They're phenomenal at it, and uh, it was just great to, to experience and to learn from them. Absolutely, and um, so I don't want to get too deep into this discussion because uh, we deserve to see his reaction. So let's see. There he is, uh, Lieutenant Junior Grade Doctor Vincent Thomas. Um, first of all, welcome to the We All Serve podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So let me get the official bio out of the way because you are a very well accomplished individual, and amazingly, you are our neighbor um, in uh, in Evanston. Um, so again, yeah. really, really long overdue. So, um, Dr. Vincent Thomas has two uh, bachelor's degrees in theology and philosophy, a master's degree in, the- in theological studies, as well as a PhD in public policy and administration. Um, Vincent Thomas is a commission officer who began his Coast Guard career as an enlisted operations specialist. Uh, his studies have focused on religious history, philosophy of religion, the relationship between religion and politics, military history, politics, public policy, as well as the effects climate change has on international relations, global econ- economics, and global security. Uh, and uh, he has been assigned to uh, the Boutwell and which is a high endurance cutter in California. Uh, he served a, he served in active duty uh, on uh, on that ship and was part of a team that seized over 10 tons of cocaine in international waters bound for the United States. After leaving active duty, Dr. Thomas joined the selected reserves as a maritime enforcement specialist and completed, as I said, his PhD in public policy and administration, commissioned in 2019 uh, and uh, now currently represents the U.S. Coast Guard Academy as the recruiting, outreach, and diversity admissions officer tasked with helping diversify the U.S. Coast Guard Academy and officer corps of the U.S. Coast Guard, which is a very important task, something that Angela and I speak about often. So uh, once again, it is truly a pleasure to bring on our very first Coastie on We All Serve. Yay! Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're hard to find. You know, you don't see too many of them. Yeah, the the ones I see are incredibly impressive. Like, uh, do you know um, Dr. Zita Merchant? Yeah, she was a uh, mentor of mine. She wrote my my command endorsement to go to OCS. Yeah, she's unbelievable, man. She what a yeah, what a, a rock star. Yeah, truly, not even joking. She'll be commandant one day, easily. Right, that's what I thought. And the coolest thing I was looking at your bio, and the coolest thing about it is, all, and what we all three of us have common besides our we're all follically challenged is that we all went to Northwestern. Oh, you went to Northwestern? Yeah, I was there for grad school, so I didn't really enjoy the festivities and the and the social stuff. I was I want to get in and get out to get you out of my pocket. So. Uh, <laughs> I, I was like, let me get in, let me get out and, and move on. But yeah, no, I'm I'm glad I went. It was uh it's a great school in in, in a great town. Everson yeah. is a is a it's a town. It's not a it city. Is. They consider themselves a city, but I'm from they Chicago. They got some rough spots in that town though. It's weird. Yeah. You got the haves oh, yeah. and the real have nots. <laughs> oh yeah. And well the city is I think eight point five miles long. So you really see the haves and the have nots. It's, it's pretty it's pretty vivid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so it it's it's exciting to have you and you have this unique you know, uh, broad background. And I want to cover obviously your service, which is continuing. You are, you are still in Mm -hmm. and the, especially the efforts that you're involved in is, is really, uh, really, really important talking about, uh, diversity and it's, uh, you know, we're, Mm -hmm. we're in February. 
Um, so, so right now I am very uh, involved in promoting and talking about um, my brothers and sisters in the army, uh, black uh, service members that uh, that are serving in some amazing, amazing roles. And I've been reading up in my spare time on African-American uh, Medal of Honor recipients. And I encourage all of our listeners and viewers to look up their, their bios and read their stories and the efforts that you are engaged in, in recruiting is phenomenal. So I want to go all the way back to when mm -hmm. you decided to raise your right hand and take that oath. Why did you why did you join uh the Coast Guard and I mean tell us a little bit about your training. Uh yeah, so joining the Coast Guard, I'm a third generation military. So my grandfather was Army World War II. My father was Army Vietnam era MP, uh, Sergeant MP. My grandfather was a para-jumper. And so I'm third generation military. And going into the military was always a part of the plan. But if I'm being honest, it wasn't at the forefront of the plan because my like parents. <laughs> and, I'm, yeah, yeah. My, uh, <laughs> yeah, wasn't the forefront but my parents my family my grandparents they worked really hard to make sure i got a good education so i was in private catholic schools my entire life which means there was no military right i mean it just it was go to college so i did that went to college finished grad school when i finished grad school i immediately got a professorship so i was i was 25 fresh out of grad school started teaching in my undergrad alma mater elmhurst college now elmhurst university and, and the philosophy department did that for a year year and a half and i wanted the phd i didn't want to go into more student loan debt and i wanted an actual i wanted a job where i was doing something more tactile um so i said okay well i'll join the family business why not so I contacted my uh, my father, and because at the time he had just retired from federal police, so he went from me as a sergeant MP directly to federal police because we're I'm originally from DC where he's from, and called him, told him about it. He you know said, well you know you want to do it, I'll support you. I was in you know great. What are you looking at? So I said I don't know honestly. I did not know. And he said, well, consider the Coast Guard. Now, truth be told, I did not know anything about the Coast Guard at that time. Most, most people don't. <laughs> this story gets better. So I grew up on the south side of Chicago when I moved to Chicago from D.C., which is basically Around high school, eighth grade. Uh, I grew up on 79th and Champlain, right on 79th and Cottage Grove. My high school was 49th Cottage Grove, uh, Post Franciscan High School. So we're going to South Side Chicago, 79th Street, 79th Cottage Grove. The Coast Guard recruiting uh, unit at the time was on 87th and Cottage Grove. Okay. I walked there from my from my house, had no idea they existed. No clue. No clue. So I walk in, they give me information. I said, all right, uh, you know, I'm here to enlist. And at first they looked at me like, you want to enlist? I said, yes, I'm enlisting. So I enlisted, went through that, and then obviously went down, right? Coast Guard usually has, not usually, but 
there are moments where the Coast Guard has a waiting list. We have so many people. I tell people all the time, the Coast Guard is not a dig, but the Coast Guard is basically the Harvard of the military. We turn away more people than any other branch. We the Coast Guard Academy is we, no joke, man. That is really, really it's hard no joke. It is. We have some of the highest. Yeah. yeah, we have some of the highest ASVAB scores. I mean, I went in with two bachelors and a master's. I had shipmates who came in with two bachelor's degrees working on their masters. E fours. E4s, right? So the yeah. Coast Guard, I, I, I would argue, and there are people who would argue with me, but I stand by it. The Coast Guard probably has the most well-educated enlist, well enlisted branch of well, any branch. You guys a lot of responsibility at a young age, too. I mean, the Marines does, yeah. but Coast Guard, I think at, eight, at E5, you guys have like arrest powers. Like you can, You're like a federal yes. officer and stuff. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, yeah, so a uh, petty officer, if you're a boarding team member, you have the, the the authority, if you're a certified boarding team member, to board a vessel and begin the process of detaining um, individuals as an E as as an E four. You could be an E four, right. really. You you only have to be an E five. You could be E four, and you can do that. Yeah. yeah so yeah, exactly. I joined, they I didn't have to be put on the waiting list. Uh, had my thirty days. Obviously, went to boot camp, Cape May, New Jersey. I intensely chose to go in the summertime because I figured I don't want to be in New Jersey in winter going through boot camp. So I went in the summertime at my birthday in boot camp. Didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to eat. You all know what boot camp is like. So I didn't broadcast that I <laughs> I didn't broadcast that I turned 29 boot camp because I did not want to go through that. Um, so went through boot camp, had my birthday in boot camp, got out, became an operations specialist, went to OSA school in Petaluma, California. And went to the Coast Guard Cutter Hamilton first as an operations specialist. The Hamilton got decommissioned, and we lateraled over to the Coast Guard Cutter Boutwell, where I finished my uh, my flow career at the time. So I was on the Boutwell as an ops specialist in uh, Combat Information Center, CIC, qualified in combat radio, which is crypto radio. Got qualified in both of those. Didn't get my boarding team stuff until I became a reservist. So did my four years, uh, and I started my PhD while I was active duty. So when we were on the on the Hamilton and I got qualified, I was already accepted to a Ph.D. program. I just put it off until I got qualified and classes. The next round of classes were going to start 30, roughly 35 days after I got to the boat. I got every call I needed in 30 days. I mean, because you have to stand, um, we call it GPO watch. You have to stand watch. You have to stand a certain hey, number of hours. The last 10, 5 yeah. seconds, you broke up a little bit. Can you repeat that? Yeah, so I did I did um, all my calls in 30 days because I had wow. 35 days. Before. Oh, oh, oh so you're all in ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, you have to stand a certain number of watches to be qualified to be a GPO. So I stood 12 hours of watch in one day. Because I was on duty and I said, I need to get my DC call, my GPO call, start my combat CIC calls. I started that when I could do uh, while ashore. But I need to get DC and GPO calls out of the way before we got underway. So I would have the time to start my coursework. So I did that 12 hours of watches in one day, took the test, did well on the test, done. So I had five days. So that five days, I stayed on the boat, started doing other stuff. School started, and I was afloat doing work. So, for example, we would do the first patrol was the worst. 
because I couldn't take leave because I had just gotten there. So we are flowed. I'm standing in my watches. I'm going through my training. I'm taking the test to qualify. And when I got off, we did six on six off, which absolutely sucks. Six on six off is horrible. It's horrible. starboard, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 man. So for my six hours of sleep you're going to get, that 12 hours you're going to get, you don't get that. <laughs> you got you know, to do. Cool. I got less than most because when I was off for my six hours, I'm on. I'm either on the mess deck or standing up in my rack. I'm typing essays. I'm, ty- I'm typing essays, and I would send them off. Um, once we got to port call, we get to port call. I'd upload all of my essays for my classes, and do work at port calls, and then I did that. After that, I would take probably the first week of my leave before we got deployed because we give three days we usually give three days off before deployment everybody gets three days leave if you don't have watch that doesn't eat your leave time so i would take that three days take five days personal leave and i would try to do at least 12 weeks worth of work in that five days so i'll wake up at 4 a.m and just work from 4 a.m to midnight for five straight days to try to get 12 weeks worth of work done I would upload that while employed and then finish the rest of it at four calls. So that was my life for, for three straight years. And then did that. And I said, I uh, our sister boat was constantly foobar. So yeah. they didn't really go out. So we had to cover for them. So instead of us doing, so at the time we were out, I want to say six to eight months out the year, give or take. Um, which it's like, is not too Three weeks, two weeks in at three weeks, or is it just gone? Like a, a no, you're, uh, we were high endurance cutter, so we sailed from the U.S. Mexico border down towards Colombia and back um, up the west coast of Canada, across the Bering Sea uh, to Alaska and back. So we were high endurance. So there was once you're out, you're out. You just have port calls, but once you're out, you're out. You hear that, folks? The Coast Guard stays gone. They are not the weekend guys. They ain't the one. <laughs> they are not. People think that. People think they hear Coast Guard. Oh, you're just on the coast. Because I think it's because usually what they see are the coasties who fix the buoys, right? The buoy tenders, they'll see them and they figure, oh, that's all the Coast Guard does is is and tending is no joke. That's some hard. That's a heavy man. That's that's tough labor, man. That's hard, hard mm-hmm. labor. They need to go get that convicts to go do that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> even for the officers, even for the officers, that is hard. Bully tending is no joke, and it's a responsibility because every ship uses those buoys to help them know where they are. Where, for um, for example, pleasure craft vessels, yachts, and whatnot, versus commercial traffic vessels. You do not want to get stuck in front of a a, a carrier, right? A cargo ship. You don't want to. You don't want to get stuck. In- cargo ship they don't stop very easily so buoy tending is serious work and it's hard labor but they see that and they figure oh that's all they do no we pretty much do everything we do everything you guys have to do the rules of the road test and uh at certain level because in the navy only if you're like um an officer to deck or conning officer or junior officer to deck do you have to no if you're gpo we have I don't know if they changed the rules on, on the boat for GPO. Uh, GPO feed me um, um, Petty Officer to Watch, General Petty Officer to Watch. So if you're GPO, you have to know the rules of the road. We had E2s who were 
who knew the rules of because we don't have enough coasties. One coastie has to do five jobs. <laughs> like there's not enough of us. So, so that book my book is not easy to read. And that thing will that thing's like Sominex, man. You start opening that Colrex book, you're out. <laughs> I, I stay on land. I stay on land. I'm in the army. And it's funny, Vincent, you and I were talking last week and I was, I was telling you about angel and yeah. you, you, you laughed and you said, yeah, the Navy, the Navy goes, goes on, on boats, but they don't feel, they don't feel the water. You were describing to yeah. me being a coasty. You all in the Navy. I was on a destroyer on a DDG and, and we got rocked pretty good. And the kids, there were the young kids coming on and, uh, and then I went to a carrier, and the kids in the carrier were like, "Oh my god, I'm feeling seasick." I'm like, "Dude, really? <laughs> you're you playing so, You're lifting weights. What do you mean you're seasick?" Yeah. Yeah. No, we um in in Alaska was the worst. Sailing across the Bering Sea to Alaska was absolutely the worst. Did that twice. Our we call it 378 because it's 378 feet long. That's our log. That's our largest boat. That's our biggest boat, right? That's so a cutter, right? we, 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 I'm sorry. It's a cutter, right? Yeah, it's our cutters, right? We got hit with a wave. I didn't think a stainless steel industrial refrigerator could fall off a wall. It was gone. We got hit with. It had to be 35, maybe 40 foot wave. The boat got rocked. We rocked. I think 40 degrees. The mass, I believe, breaks at 45. We got rocked. People had to be uh, put off the boat because they broke limbs, uh, falling out of their rags, refrigerators yeah, falling off. Duck, we used to like strap ourselves into our rags and stuff. Yeah, we we, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> no. Plus, I don't know if we could because the the bout wheel at the time was built in 1968. So I don't even know if if we could. We we make it. If it's broke, you fix it. After you fix it, you paint it. After you fix it, you paint you it so it isn't it really at least looks good. I'm sorry? Were you guys going up to Seward, Alaska? Uh, we went to uh, Kodiak. Kodiak. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We went to Kodiak. Man. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we were happy to see Kodiak. You spend enough time on the Bering Sea, you'd be happy to see Kodiak. You you think you were in New York City. <laughs> Just please send me to Kodiak. Please, well, they got that six listen. months of daylight and six months of night. They do that. Uh, it's like all all night or all I day. Missed or I, yeah, I that missed that. Yeah, cool. Thankfully, I missed. Yeah, I, I don't cool think I would. It was like day. It was daylight, and we would make fun of the sailors that would come out of the club with the girls that didn't look so good, and they they, they yeah. couldn't say it was late at night. I was like, dude, it was bright daylight. We saw her. She was ugly. Was <laughs> yeah. I missed that part. I wanted to see the Northern Lights. I missed the Northern Lights twice. I missed both times I went up there, missed the Northern Lights. But, I mean, I didn't know you could walk on walls until sailed across the Bering Sea. You you, 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 you will walk on walls. And we got into it once with the FSs. Now, CS is the culinary specialist, the cook. Because they're making steak and lobster. And we're thinking, dude, who's eating steak and lobster with 20, 25-foot waves? Like, nobody... I'm not eating steak. I lived that entire patrol. I ate ramen noodles, uh, grits, and bread. That entire patrol. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I, I, you couldn't I couldn't hold anything down. I couldn't do it. 
So Vincent, describe, um, I mean, you and I were talking about uh, a couple of years ago during the government shutdown. Um, I, yeah. I remember I was, I remember where I was, it was during the winter and I was, I was with some mutual friends of ours. And I remember we were talking about the Coast Guard not getting paid and yeah. it, the Coast Guard falls into a very weird status um, for those mm -hmm. of us policy junkies. You understand that the Coast Guard does not fall under the Department of Defense in many right areas falls under yeah. the Department of Homeland Security, but that is intentional. Mm -hmm. And so this yeah. is getting very nuanced over here. Um, but again, because we, we have not had a conversation with a Coastie like you in the past, can you describe it all relates to essentially what we're talking about over here, the hard work that you do? Yeah. So we, we are not under DOD. Um, Although we are fully military, have the same benefits, you know, military responsibilities as all the other branches, we can be folded into DOD if need be. But we're not under DOD. We're in Department of Homeland Security. Before DHS, we were under the Department of Transportation. There's there is a reason for this. We are the only branch that's that's both military, full on military, and federal law enforcement at the same time. So that's in a, in a nutshell, it gets more complicated than that, but in a nutshell, that's why we are under DHS and not DOD. It makes sense. We can board a vessel and it not be declared an act of war or violate you know, any posse comitatus um, rules or anything like that because we are federal law enforcement. Most More often than not, especially in the United States, a lot of times it really is for voter safety. Like it's legitimately to make sure you have the proper life uh, life vest. You have the you have um, fire extinguishers. You have the proper plaques on your vessel. It is to make sure that the boating community is safe, including you on your own boat, right? So usually that's what it is in the United States. But even abroad in international waters, it's not a violation because we're, we're we are enforcing United States federal law in international waters where there there's no territorial waters there, right? There, I mean, there are no borders. So it makes perfect sense. However, um, when the government shuts down, unlike you all in DOD, where your funding is automatically guaranteed, we're not under DOD. It's not guaranteed because we are under a civilian federal agency. So it's this blanket thing. And we did not get paid. When the government shut down, uh, the Coast Guard, it, it got really bad. The commandant was, I mean, I, I, I felt, I really did feel for the commandant and and the, um, um, the chief of the Coast Guard. Uh, I felt I felt for them because they were in a really bad position. It was a combination of just economics, bureaucracy, management, politics. I mean, they were they were in a really, really complicated spot to the point where, I mean, as you all know, at that point, we got to, what, a month? The longest shutdown in U.S. history? Didn't USA we, or, uh, or Navy Federal any of them come in and help you guys out with some of that stuff? It, it was, it, it didn't get to that point. There were, the, the scuttlebutt was, there were talks for the Coast Guard to be temporarily absorbed by the Navy so that we could get paid because we couldn't go Who can another month. I'm sorry? Nobody can sustain that. It's not sustainable. Right. It's not, I mean, we the members we have, even if you're the rank I am now in 02, 
if you in O2 with a husband or wife, two kids, bills, and you going 30 plus days with no pay, imagine being an E2 or E3 or an E4, right? So it you're right, it can't sustain. So we were in a really bad space. Thankfully, you know, the government opened up, the money started, you know, to come in. Um, and that that didn't have to happen with the Navy, but the scuttlebutt was the Coast Guard was really considering it because the the institution I continue to absorb that for let's say another month, two straight months. No, no, it's unsustainable. It was uns it would have been unsustainable. Hey, but that's why we're under DHS and the DOD. I want to pivot for a second, and uh, your background is very interesting to me because it's uh, theology and it's you know um, it's policy and, and a lot of different things that. That to me yeah. affect culture and how people think and how they behave and what they yeah. believe. Yes. And and with the the recent movement to acknowledging the the differences that are no longer you know hidden in back rooms, but are actually brought to the forefront in in hiring and diversity, my perception of this. Uh, you know, person of color is, is it seems that there's the pendulum has moved so far to the left and they're saying quick go find a black transgender or black man to run this diversity and inclusion program for this uh fortune 100 company and just keep them there we're not going to give them any actual authority or budget or to make to change and it's almost insulting yeah. to me in a lot of ways and I'd like to get your perception. If, if I'm wrong in thinking that, please correct me. I'd like to hear your perspective. Yeah, it's so within history, there's always, and when when I say within history, let's say, let's say since the um, Industrial Revolution, for example, right? There, there's always a pendulum swing in one direction, and then just the laws of nature and gravity. There's going to be a pendulum swing in the other direction in some capacity. Now, let's yeah. keep in mind, depending on the issue, that 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 opposite pendulum swing can take 100 years. It could take 150 years. It may only take 20 years. It may only take five years. It depends on the issue, the culture, the time. It depends. However, there is usually a broad pendulum swing. Yes. Uh, I would like to think that as a society, we've we've learned the lessons from that. What you're mentioning is absolutely real, but I would I, I would push back and say it's real. And well, as I tell my students when I'm teaching them, correct but incomplete. It's correct that it's real and it happens. The incomplete part is it very often depends on the institution in question. So, for example. The Coast yeah, Guard. Yeah, authentic versus inauthentic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Coast Guard. We can't afford to do that. We can't afford. To, okay, we're going to put you here, not really give you no branch of the military, honestly. And I would argue, hopefully, no totally branch cool. of federal government. Right? We're going to put you here because you check some boxes. You meet a quota. We're not going to give you the same training, so forth and so on. It doesn't work. And it's ironic you bring that up because I was having a conversation in Illinois with a non-profit that is 
working to understand the education disparities within the city of Chicago and nationwide, but focus on the city of Chicago. And Which I met one? them through my co I'm not gonna put their name out there now because oh, okay. I have. I'm gonna yeah. give you a chance to give a shout out, man. That's fine. <laughs> and and they're still uh, they're still working on their thing, um, but yeah, they're not for profit. They're not based in Chicago. I think they're based in New York, I believe. And they focus on education. And now they're in Chicago. And I was telling them, I said, the military, civilian, we only make up one percent of the population, and the civilian sector, the ninety nine percent, and let's say. I'll say, let's say 90, I'm, you know, backward napkin doing math. Here. Let's say 95% if you count veterans, right? Just give them that, 95%. Look at the military and think, and I know, and I'm sure you all have probably experienced this. People go to the military if they can't get into college, right? You go to the military if you can't cut it in college. You go to the military if you just can't get a normal job. Not realizing that, I don't know what it was like in my grandfather's time or even my father's time but now in the 21st century in any branch you need to be pretty sharp because the tech that we have to learn how to use now this isn't tic-tac-toe technology here i mean this isn't fred flintstone we're kind of the jetsons here right so you you need to be pretty sharp to use i mean even in the army like it's called army proof but you know, they got to have some smarts to, to to use it. The tech is serious. So I tell I was telling them, I said, you know, the one thing the military has gotten right is basic training. Everyone is trained the same way by the same people who are trained the same way. And they're trained to train you the same way. There is no you go to private school training, you go to public school training, you go to magnet school training. Basic training is training. Now, yes, there are people who run faster, who are physically stronger, who are better shots, who are better swimmers. Absolutely. People who are better at operations, better at management. You're always going to have people who have a skill set that exceeds what's considered the average for that skill set. That's called life and human nature. Absolutely. But everyone is trained the same way. We can't function if we have, like we do in the school system, these tiers of education, public, charter, magnet, private, yada, yada. We can't function if we do that. So we were having that conversation. I said, the military has gotten that right. We're not perfect. We got a lot of work to do, but the military has gotten that right. To your original question of the diversity and how that looks, and I said it. Yeah, correct, but incomplete. I explained that part. But the Coast Guard, I can't speak for the other branches, I'm not in them, but the Coast Guard has acknowledged openly that it has a diversity issue, right? There is not a lot of diversity in the Coast Guard. Part of that is because we're so small, we are the smallest branch. Part of that is because the ASVAB scores required and the competition to get in is so high that, which explains why you have so many enlisted, lower level enlisted who have bachelor's degrees when they sign up. So all of that plays a part. I think I think I would add one thing to that. And, and, and why I agree with every one of those points, Vincent, I think what I saw in Atlanta, I went to Atlanta to be an officer recruiter, right? And yep. they were really, they were in the bottom tier of diversity recruiting. And I'm like, mm -hmm. we're in Atlanta. 
You got Spellman and Morehouse. I can throw a rock and hit Spellman and Morehouse. What the hell's going on? And the truth of the matter yeah. is the white recruiters weren't going to Spellman and Morehouse because they didn't feel comfortable. And what more importantly, because yeah. the black kids at Morehouse and Spellman didn't feel comfortable going to a white guy to talk to them. So that's what you're saying yeah. is true. But I think the other half of that, if I may add, is intentionality of it. Is saying and that's, have yeah. you, and, and saying we're here's how what we're gonna do, here's concrete solution on how we're gonna address this issue, and then executing. Right. And that's what we're we're working on doing that. And to, to your point, keep in mind, I started this out by saying what I said about my background for a reason. I grew up on 79th and Cottage Grove. The Coast Guard recruiting station was on 87th and Cottage Grove. My high school was on 49th and Cottage Grove. It's the same street. I never saw a Coastie my whole life. Never. Yep. Yep. Because South Side of Chicago, you said, like, you know, the South, South Side of Chicago is black and Hispanic. The entire Coast Guard office were white men. White dudes. <laughs> <laughs> the truth, they did not feel comfortable going in, but that's where that's where your recruiting office is. Now, why you put it there is why you put it there. That was your choice, but you should have put it there knowing the demographic of the area that you're you're based in, right? So it so there's that factor, intentionality, planning this out. How do you communicate to the different graphics about it. Another piece for the Coast Guard, and you know, I'll throw myself under the bus here. It's not under the bus, it's just the fact. A lot of black people don't know how to swim. And there is a long-standing racial issue with regards to swimming. I mean, you know, after the war gentrification started happening but in the way that at the time a lot of america didn't like and you had what became known as the white flight issue well with the white flight issue meaning white people living in the cities fled to the suburbs and as suburbs start to grow when that happened all the resources left with them so when you have public pools public parks which were everywhere are still are everywhere across the country most public parks had a public pool. There was no pool anymore. When there was a pool before that really happened, it was blacks can't swim in this pool. It's a whites only pool. If you live down south, you had a better shot learning how to swim. But if you were in the northeast or the Midwest, good luck. If you were down south or the west coast, you had a much better shot. So there were no pools. So when they when the white flight happened, all those resources went to the suburbs with them. The public schools started to decline and public parks started to decline. So when I grew up, I was born in 1982. When I was growing up in Southeast DC and then moving to the South side of Chicago, there were no pools. If you happened to find a pool, it had no water. If you happened to find a pool with water, no lifeguard, no swim instructor, a sign up that says swim at your own risk. So how am I going to learn how to swim? I joined the Coast Guard. I didn't know how to swim. Now, that was my fault. I should have learned how to swim beforehand. That made boot, my boot camp experience far less, far more unpleasant than it probably needed to be. But I didn't know how to swim. I learned how to swim in boot camp. And the military, as you all know, is very adept at motivating you to do what you need to do. 
So it was either you pass the swim test or you're going to be reverted. And instead of being in boot camp for eight weeks, you could be in boot camp for anywhere between 10 to 12 weeks, right? Because you're going to get reverted to another company. Like, I, that's, I'm not doing that. So I swim, I did the swim and the uh, tread water in three days. Like, no. So I didn't know how to swim. So all of that plays a part also in why you don't have a large number of diversity in the Coast Guard, especially because you can't be a Coastie if you can't swim. You have to know how to swim. So one of the things that I personally have been working on here in Chicago is encouraging parents to encourage their children to learn to swim. And that will help that's a factor in helping increase those numbers. Because again, you can't be a coastie if you can't swim. So if you know, which most people do, well, I didn't because I, I just did. But now it's common for the most part. You have to know how to swim to be in the Coast Guard. That deters a lot of qualified applicants, both enlisted and officer alike. That deters a lot of qualified applicants. And you're absolutely right. You're in Atlanta, Morehouse, Spelman. And even if you want to leave Atlanta, the mass majority of HBCUs are in the South. Fort Valley, yeah, all of it, yeah, yeah. Just throw a rock in any direction, in any state, you're going to hit an HBCU if you're down South. Rent a car and drive there. But you have to feel comfortable going to those environments. Also, the Coast Guard has increased its, its um, efforts in doing this, bringing in recruiters for the academy or the real or the real coast guard as we say who are black and hispanic and asian i got no problems going to hbcu they yeah, might think i'm stupid that's a heavy lift for, for a few of you that are there like with zeta and you out you know waving a flag but it's something you definitely want to do and you guys are definitely passionate about yeah i mean it, it has to be done or i just like my daughter is a uh, uh, 16 months now let's say she decides to go to the Coast Guard, which I'm pushing for. Uh, I want her to go to the Coast Guard. And if we talk, I'm having the exact same conversation with her when she's 19 years old, right? I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. Yeah. So what I can do to try to improve that situation is basically what I'm doing now at this moment. Hey. Vincent, I have to sign off. Um, I have a medical issue to attend to, but it was a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, Shalom, I apologize uh, in advance. No, you're good, Angel. Feel good. Um, so, Vince, in, in, in Vincent, rather, in, uh, in, in closing, um, and this the work that you are doing is, is hugely, hugely important. First of all, I want to start by saying, the service. And I say this each yeah. and every week on the pod. We talk about, we talk with people that have put the uniform on and that alone is an act of service. And like you said a moment ago, that is something being done by less than 1%. But then there's, then there's the folks like you that are going above and beyond. And you and I talked last week, we talked again earlier, and obviously we're talking now you you are doing this not during just during the day, but you're doing this in the uh, in the nights as well, in trying to uh, trying to really spread the message. This isn't your job. This is your passion. Um, and I know you love what you do, and you you love your service. And as I always say, it's we all serve everybody, regardless of 
whether you put the uniform on or not, we all have a way of serving. And I know that you talked about government shutdowns earlier. You mm -hmm. talked about some of the challenges that your brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters um, have had. And I know you're passionate about a cause. I just put it up there um, on the screen um, and the mutual aid uh, for the Coast Guard. And I want to spend a moment or two yeah. uh, highlighting that. And uh, then, of course, I want to make sure uh, that uh, people know, you know, where they can find you on LinkedIn or wherever to talk yeah. about uh, and share their 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 experiences and maybe even ask some of these questions because it is long overdue um, to have somebody like you. And I hope yeah. that you can put others in touch with us so we can feature them as well. Absolutely, uh, yeah. The the Coast Guard Mutual Assistance uh, Program Fund is designed where. It's a non-for-profit. It's a charity in many respects, but it is designed to help Coasties out when they have hard times financially to the point where I've seen the Mutual Assistance Fund um, give co by give financing to Coasties to buy their first car seat for their baby, right? Or a certain number of months worth of diapers or formula. Uh, government shutdown happened. They were putting in app coasties were, were putting in application for financial assistance to pay rent, pay bills, put gas in the car, so forth and so on. To do that, and mutual assistance is there. Uh, coasties pay into it. It's like a charity. So when, when you it's a five hundred one. So when you pay into it, you actually get a tax, uh, the tax form to write it off as a charity. Uh, we pay into it, and thankfully, knock on wood, I have not had to use it. But I graciously pay into it, one, because it helps shipmates out who need it now. And two, because I never know when I'm going to fall in hard times. So you pay into it to help others now, as well as, God forbid, help yourself if you need it. Because, you know, the whole is the sum of its parts, right? So if, if you help the parts, you hold. And the Coast Guard has really become, the Coast Guard is... I hope the other branches are the same way, but I firmly believe that the Coast Guard is probably at the forefront in this capacity. Air Force might be a close second. Very much a family-oriented institute. Very much, because we're so small, very much a family-oriented institution. And that plays a huge factor in why these programs, a program like the Music Citizens Fund, uh, exists. So I recommend everybody to check it out. Uh, if people are looking for me. I'm on, I'm easy to find Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, uh, I, I will, I have Twitter. I don't really use it, uh, but Facebook and, and LinkedIn D period Vincent Thomas Jr. Uh, you just Google that. I'm pretty sure it'll pop up. You go Academy in my name. I'm pretty sure it'll pop up on Google. You can, you know, Google investigate me, which is uh, the thing now That's what everybody's doing. Uh, so it's easy to find me. So please reach out if you have any questions about the Coast Guard, the Coast Guard Academy, um, anything like that. I'm more than happy to help out. I've actually already talked to people about your program, trying to get you some extra coasties. So I'm not the only unicorn uh, in, in right. your in your role. In your role, it's not many of us, but but you know, probably get you half a dozen, maybe, and that'll be a lot. If you can get six coasties to come on here, you're doing better than a lot people so you, you know what I, I i have to say vincent it, it's funny that i was so 
bothered. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I was thinking I was, you know, I, I reflect every night and I'm, I'm thinking about the podcast and it's really awesome. As Angel mentioned before, you know, lots of people tuning in, which is awesome, but we're, we're actually creating a, a challenge coin. I'll put this out there. We're creating a challenge coin for, for the podcast. And I was looking at the design and I saw all of the branches and I was like, oh my God, we have not had a single Costian. So I go through my LinkedIn and then I come across you and I'm like, oh my God, we absolutely have to get Vincent on. And you know, the crazy thing is you are the only, I have a pretty robust network. I do. You are the only person in my network that is a, that is a Costi. And and so, so listen. And it's ironic because we just happened to have gone to the same school and li- well, you lived in Evanston Light. You live in Skevinston, but <laughs> uh <laughs> lived in Evanston. I mean, and well, I told you this. I don't know how I haven't actually literally run into you at the only Starbucks in downtown Evanston before. I have no idea. I really don't know how we haven't connected for now because it's not that big. It's, it's, no, it's not it's- that big. It's true. It, it, it's it's very true. But um, I'm I'm glad we did it, and I do hope that our, yeah. our that everybody will support um, mutual assistance and 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 Absolutely. understand more about what the Coast Guard does. That it's again, it it's not just the folks. You know, by the way, for I mean, we're all Chicago. I mean, uh, Angel had to mm-hmm. had to step away, but you know, we're all Chicago uh, natives, and the Coast Guard. Is it called the station, the Coast Guard yeah, station? Coast Guard. It's yeah, and that's just outside of Wilmette. Is that accurate? Right. It's in Wilmette. You talking about yeah, um, um, Coast Guard station Wilmette. It's a it's a small station. Yeah. They do most work in the summertime. I I would I would jog there because I would run from my home on Dempster Street. And run through Wilmette, and now we just run up Sheridan Road going north. Just run up the whole Sher- Sheridan Road yeah. and, and back. So I would run past the. And if I needed to do Coast Guard work, get on the Coast Guard terminal, I just jog up there, pop in my 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 cat card, do my work, and then keep running. So yes, they're really active in the summertime because it's for the boating community. And that, that's another thing I wanted to throw out before we yeah. go about why so many people. So many minorities, black, Asian, Hispanic, don't really know about the Coast Guard for all the reasons we, we mentioned before. But also those who do happen to come across the Coast Guard look at it as being this really elite um, institution that does work that caters more so to the well-to-do because we board boats. Boat is an acronym. Break out another thousand, right? So because we deal with the boating community, um, cruise ships, we so a lot of people who don't dig deep into the Coast Guard and know we do counter narcotics, buoys. We work with working with dams. We we work with uh, uh, river patrols. We do a lot uh, sanitate water sanitation, cleaning up pollution. We do a lot of work, but people look at the face of the Coast Guard. And they see a yacht and coasties, and they figure that's not the branch for me because I'm not from that world. I didn't grow up around boats. I don't know how to swim. My family doesn't have that kind of money to even be in that realm, not realizing that that's a small sliver. That's a small sliver. 
So it, it's a lot of it's a marketing problem. When's the last time you saw a Coast Guard commercial? No, no, I, I, we, I haven't. We need movies that are good. We've had two. They, they haven't been all that good. We need movies that are good. According to the numbers, women enlisting in the Air Force and applying to the Air Force Academy went through the roof after Captain Marvel came out. Oh my goodness. That's, I laugh at it too, but if you think about it, that is some primo marketing. Yeah, that's, it is. That is serious marketing that you don't pay for. That you don't so pay Steven for. Spielberg, Steven, Steven Spielberg, if you're tuning in, um, there's an opportunity for you here. And I, I love what you're saying, Vincent. Uh, it's to those that know the Coast Guard from living near Navy Pier or living near right. the right. Wilmette Station, the Coast Guard is so right. much more. To those that right. know the Coast Guard from the work that's being done internationally, the Coast Guard is so much yeah. more. And right. um, and and you are a brother. Um, you you are uh, you know to to many that are even in the military, we we don't understand as much as we should. There needs to be more internal communication, more internal marketing that takes place. Um, but I'm 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 really honored that you chose to spend the evening with us and educate me, educate Angel, and we'll do this again. And please, um, yes, yeah, send, send your, send your friends, uh, over because we would love to promote what they do. And I want to finally, finally end by saying, um, and I can relate to this of, uh, being a reservist. Um, I mm. know the, the balance that, uh, that often takes place. Uh, in in juggling between between you know sort of day to day uh, business life as well as the additional duties and uh, maintaining readiness and maintaining uh, the ability to uh, to serve um, and yeah. uh, and and I know that um, you have juggled between active duty life reserve life I know that uh, and I know I know what a balance that is and to everybody out there that knows that uh, shout out to you for all that you do and as we always say we all serve so thank you Vincent appreciate you. you I thank encourage you. all of our listeners to get a hold of you um, and uh, and thank excited you. excited to keep these conversations going absolutely thank you for having me be safe have a good night you too thank you my friend take care have a good night thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.